1: life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com
0: hello and welcome to the reset a mental health podcast without all the bollocks i'm sam delaney My guest this week is the writer, journalist and editorial legend Phil Hilton. I've known Phil for many years. He gave me my first job and taught me pretty much everything I know about writing and journalism. So if you've always hated my output, he's the one to blame. He's been one of the biggest names in magazine publishing since the 90s, helming hit mags including Men's Health, Nuts, Shortlist, Stylist and more. His big passion outside of work has always been health and fitness. Since I first met him in the 90s, long before the world was full of fitness influencers, Phil was really walking the talk. He worked out all the time, ate well, basically lived like the blokes we used to stick on the cover of Men's Health. I'd never met anyone like him. But he was also a right laugh and knew how to have a good time and he made me realise that being fit and healthy didn't have to mean being boring and weird. These days, he's as annoyingly fit as ever and writes about midlife health and fitness in The Times on a regular basis. He's also got a brilliant Instagram account called We Can Still Be Heroes in which he catalogues his love affair with exercise and leads the way for other middle-aged men to stay in shape. I've always been fascinated by the role health, fitness and exercise plays in our mental health and thought there's no one better to talk about it than Phil. It was an honour, as always, to speak with him. Phil, welcome to The Reset. Thanks,
1: Sam. It's an absolute honour and a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm very excited, beside myself,
0: really. Great. Well, try to contain yourself somewhat um, as we start to delve into, you know, the deeper recesses of your mind and your feelings, Phil. Um, we're going I, yeah, I, I to... What, sure.
1: you... what if I don't have any deeper recesses? That's well, a genuine worry that you that... get into one of these things and you go, sorry, Phil, you, you haven't passed. You've got nothing. There's nothing there. Well,
0: I'll let you know at the end. I'll let you know whether or not it's a pass or a fail. I always pass or fail all my guests, but I don't often tell them on That's air. My... But because you're a mate, I will be telling you on air whether or not you pass this or not.
1: Um, yeah, I'm bringing an unhealthy mindset already. I guess there isn't
0: there is like, We're all we're all passing. We're all passing. Um, yeah, I've really been enjoying reading your stuff in the Times and um, watching your stuff on Instagram um that we can be here we can still be heroes uh, instagram stuff you've always been an inspiration to me um when it comes to health and fitness um but i guess the only thing and i've put this to you before a few times is that you know in some ways it you know it's uh, at times i guess it's too much you sometimes you know it it, it feels as if like you've you've got an addiction to it at times is, is that something you've ever worried about
1: yeah yeah um i, I run this th- by myself quite frequently actually um what i don't do is exercise um to a point where i feel exhausted or or um, start to get ill so mm. the, the key test if you're if you're exercising unhealthily is you start damaging your immune system and you feel shattered all the time and you get colds and everything yeah so i keep an eye on myself for that um and i definitely lean on it heavily Uh, for my mental health. Uh, I don't know what it would be like to do without it. And I occasionally get a glimpse into this. If I get um, a chest infection, you can't exercise a chest infection in case it starts um, sinking into um, pneumonia, which is my fear. So then I stop and I, I do start to somewhat go downhill uh, as an addict would, if deprived of supply. So I'm I'm very, very keen it going, but I, I, I don't, I do about sort of 20 30 minutes a day usually some longer bouts I'm not one of these marathon runners there's no there's no ultra marathons there's no triathlons I, I don't compete for goals so it's it's I'm definitely on on the sort of textbook uh, I'm a healthy exerciser um, yeah. I know inside that if you took it away um the uh the, the wheels would start to come off fairly quickly so if that's an answer yeah a, a a healthy a healthily maintained addiction i guess would be the honest response
0: and is that like just in i mean you know if you're just doing 20 or 30 minutes a day of intense exercise is that like literally the endorphins that you generate from that will sort of regulate your mood pretty well for the rest of the day i did
1: a bit of homework for this um I- yeah, I did, a bit bit. of it. apparently it's not endorphins. There are lots of chemicals that are produced. Um, the latest research suggests that endorphins are just something people say, but it's probably not endorphins. Right. All different types of exercise produce different effects for me. Um, and I'm I'm not qualified, so I'm I'm going off loads of research I do and articles that I've written and also personal experience. So I get different kinds of high and mood change from different kinds of work I do. So I, I really like sprinting up hills, probably my mm. favorite workout of, of the week i do like one day where i go all out um touch my maximum heart rate a few times uh percent up a very steep hill and and there the chemicals that are rushing around you are fantastic but also um i feel a sense of achievement i bring loads of meaning to that uh you're at the top of a hill so you've got a great view so there's all kinds of factors so I can go out in a fairly flat mood and come back feeling very, very happy about life. And it takes it doesn't take long if you've sprinted up a hill to get that <laughs> feeling of exhaustion. So I probably do, I'm doing like 10 minutes and I come back transformed. And then other times you do like a long, slow, 60-minute run, and it's a completely different feeling of like quiet, calm, uh, yeah. a whole other set of chemicals are, are coursing around your body, I think.
0: Yeah. It is a it's an amazing thing. Do you ever Are you the sort of person who still some mornings needs to give yourself a kick up the arse? So if it's hill running day, do you ever just think, oh, can't face it, especially like, you know, we're we're talking today, it's still extremely cold and icy outside. Or do you just love it and relish it every day?
1: I'm interested in motivation. So it's worth saying to people that um, I've built this habit over decades so it's it's completely nailed into my identity so this is rather like um, I am someone who exercises every day so to not do that I'm no longer me that has plus sides and downsides if I can't do it I'm no longer Mm -hmm. me so there is no there's no kick up the arse there's no motivational need at all really it's just something I will do in the course of my existence as -hmm. part of being Phil Uh, so like it's like like, eating
0: it's like it's like eating or something like that, just like a natural part, as as natural part of your day is eating or going to the toilet. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and more eating in the, the sense of I'll, I'll be I'll be looking forward to what kind of meal I'm going to have and planning it. But yeah. I won't consider not eating that yeah. or not eating doesn't occur to me. So if it's very hostile out, I'll think this is an indoor workout day. Um, right. Or sometimes I think, oh, it'll be fun to challenge myself with the sleet driving into my eye sockets. This will add to the drama <laughs> of the occasion. <laughs> yeah. But there's yeah. no sense of willpower yeah. needed. In fact, um, the willpower is all around fitting in uh, useful and hopefully profitable work to feed my family, all right. um, and not go
0: out to yeah. exercise. Okay, <laughs> you're right. Right. So the exercise is at the centre. The other stuff gets fitted around the edges. And what about yeah, to in- be honest? Yes, there's a lot of that. In, in times of like high stress with work, for instance, or you know, or, or sadness, do do you sort of use exercise really directly in a, in a way that you know, sort of some people might use alcohol or something like? So, do you do you respond by sort of upping your exercise or thinking, right? I'm very stressed or something bad's happened. I need to do something to fix this. I need to do something physical.
1: I'm I'm interested in this. I, I do, but also I'm very conscious of it not being a solution to externally stressful situations. So when my dad died, um, I was feeling all the confusion and sadness that one does. And I went out for a lot of long runs there. And at, at one point I was doing I was doing two a day and that was overdoing. That's going back to your question about addiction. I was trying to use it to lift my mood and it worked. Mm. And it was something to do, and it gave some purpose to some shapeless days. But on the other hand, it didn't remove, obviously it didn't remove, and it shouldn't remove the feelings that, um, that you, you have when you're um, grieving over something. Mm. So I think it helped, but it, it I, there's a slightly toxic exercise in mental health culture, which I'm really against, where you present yourself as a regular exercise person, as someone who is always happy, who wakes yeah. up every morning and sort of, Gips out of bed and I don't think it's possible to skip out of bed, jumps out of bed mm. and, and never has these feelings. So you look at the, these people, the way they present themselves, particularly on social media. I think um, here I am with all these um, overthinking situations, the self doubts um, I'm dealing with all kinds of external circumstances, but this guy, he looks amazing. <laughs> He's just been for a run. He has gigantic muscles. Yeah. He never experiences any of this. And, and he, he or she is lying to you. The yoga goddess, uh, the six-pack guy, is lying to you. And exercise doesn't remove these things. But yeah, I do lean into it. And and um, and, and on the on your part of your questions about being ultra busy, when mm. I was a, I used to be a, a senior manager in a, a media company, a few media companies, and there are times where you, you you haven't got time to go to the gym. That's when I'd always go to the gym because there's mm. this theory around um I. Islands of, islands of control, which I really like. So when you're a busy executive, um, which sounds very pompous, but I was a busy executive, every single moment of my day would be diarized and a lot of my evenings would be diarized as well. So there's one bit where I came kind of right, I am now leaving the building. Uh, I will not be doing a meeting. I'll be in the gym and I'll be lifting things and jumping about and you can't get me. Can't get me for that 30 minutes. Yeah. And then I'll come back and you can run my life again. And that was really helpful in managing stress. And it was always like, that. you get that look, you see that look in my colleague's eyes. So I bring my, I bring my kit bag to a 12 o'clock meeting as a little uh, visual signal that I'll be leaving that meeting at five <laughs> minutes to one, yeah. uh, regardless of how important uh, everything we were saying appeared to be at the time. Yeah. And you could see them rolling their eyes and, and, and definitely um, it was frustrating to be around me. But that was the, it was the right thing to do for me. And I wish they'd have come with me, to be honest. It was, it was um because it it just cuts that whole control that earning money, all that pressure has over your life. And you've got a little bit that's yours.
0: Yeah, I totally get it. I think that is such a like I just think that's an amazing thing that you have to have in one form or another. And I, I kind of relate to it a little bit. I go running and and one of the biggest appeals for me is the thing that you're you're running. And like you're li- like literally no one can get you. I have dreams where I'm running because you think when you're on the move and you're just outdoors on the move, like no one can get you. Do you know? What I mean? <laughs> you're moving too quickly, and that means yeah. it's a, like you feel very isolated. Um, so, and I think you know, although excessive need for control obviously isn't healthy, I think that small amount of control, especially when you're doing something that's positive in a number of other ways, is amazing. And also setting boundaries. I mean, a lot of a lot of people can't sort of or or tell themselves they can't stick to sort of, you know, the way in which you do it because, you know, know, I've got this busy life and blah, blah, blah. But you obviously, you know, you you were pretty strict about having boundaries around that small part of, of the time in your day where it's just for you. Yeah, there's been times when there were almost
1: no other boundaries, so I, I couldn't again set myself up as a as a role model there. Because when we launched um we launched shortlist and stylist, it was it was one of the busiest times. I remember we were so busy we had to. If if the exec group were walking somewhere, we'd have to book the walk with each other. As who got to who got to sort of pitch their thing to the boss? Um we had no time in our lives at all? So yeah. exercise is probably the one moment where I had some time where I'd, I'd escaped everything. But yeah, yeah, it's it's. I always think that work can at times just want to take complete control of your soul and every every fibre of your being. And it's good to fight that a bit. Is it's just it won't it doesn't love you afterwards. It doesn't mm. come and pick you up if you fall over. And when and when you're, it, it's it's an it's a transactional relationship with work, and people forget that at, the, at their peril. I think.
0: Mm, yeah, I think a lot of people as well, and I was certainly guilty of this. Is that you know they recognise that, and a lot of people use use drink um, in the way that you're describing use of alcohol, uh, use of exercise, you know, and and that's much more toxic because you sort of think. God, work is just, I'm just consumed by work all of the time and stress and worry of work. And I feel like I'm imprisoned by it. And so people think, but if I can just grab this small amount of time where I can switch off really quick, you know, and jump straight to the bit where I'm feeling relaxed and out of the clutches of work. And I know that alcohol used to play that role for me, Um, but exercise is is a much more positive way of sort of sectioning off a, a nice little part of your life. The island of control is a phrase I hadn't heard before, yeah. but I will now start bandying about.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we worked together on a, in a moment was one of the most stressful of my life. We worked on a magazine called Later in, yeah. in the uh, late 90s. And and that I was the editor of that and it wasn't going well. And it, it was essentially dying because it was behind target. It wasn't making money. Um and the weird thing about a magazine, it was a monthly magazine. So it dies in slow motion. So every month um I would go off to a, a meeting that was largely secret from the rest of the team, be told uh, that yet yeah, again we'd miss target and go back into my office which was that time I if you remember I had a, a door you could close. Yeah. And and sort of just get more mm. and more obsessed about how I could save it. Um it was it was a, a launch I'd done entirely, you know, I'd done it from start to finish. It existed for two years only. Uh, and I was unbelievable. I was so stressed at one point that um, I remember being at a meal with my family, and I I sort of said something along the lines of "Oh fuck it" out loud because I'd had a stress thought pass through my brain, and I meant <laughs> to say "Oh fuck it" internally. I'd forgotten and said it aloud in front of small children, etc. Um, and then I then I, I I the gym wasn't doing it for me. It wasn't vivid enough, so I started right. going to martial arts. I went to ah, a kickboxing club. Yeah, and. And this I can recommend if you're right in the middle of it, because the the process of fighting with someone, sparring with someone, of being punched and kicked, even though it was, it was a very controlled, it was a very safe situation, yeah, it gets, so gets your attention. You can't help but be in the moment. Yeah, and it was the, it was it's sort of yeah. brilliant, brilliant stress relief, a sort of form of um, very active and and occasionally painful meditation. And yeah you're yeah. you're there for for each each two minute round you can't think about anything else and all your fight and flights absolutely in action and you're you're completely it's like it's like skydiving without having to faff around with um with an aircraft uh and a parachute it, I, I couldn't rec- recommend that enough actually
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense um, I feel bad when you say how stressful that time were years later, because I've got to admit, I look back on it as one of the best times of my career. I was on the other side <laughs> of the door just having a right laugh every day. I don't suppose <laughs> that's much consolation, but I really enjoyed it a lot. But I was probably that was because I was protected from the disaster that was happening. I just thought this is great. Right, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's part It's part of the nightmare is you're not allowed, you're specifically not allowed to tell anyone it's going badly until the magazine closes and then they all suddenly know. And it's an awful moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's (laughs) awful. That's awful. I'm sorry that our, our, our memories of that time are so contrasting. Um, so, glad you
1: enjoyed it, Sam. Glad you can look
0: back to that. <laughs> that was I It's amazing. I've been there for two years. I think I learned like, pretty much all the things that I've been relying on ever since in those two years. So at least it gave the, that to the world. Do you know You know? I don't know if that's a positive so, or not. I'm
1: so glad it was... It was formative for you. I, I couldn't go near the building at weekends. It was so stressful. It would trigger me by um going near the South Bank. I, I had to I had to enjoy myself oh in other
0: parts of London at the time. Oh, that's horrible. I have had jobs like that, just not then. And you know, and again, you know, sorry to keep bringing it back to alcohol. But the outlet for that kind of thing, I think. Lo- I think everyone can relate to those times in your life where you just can't believe how all-consuming the 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 bullshit at work is becoming, and how you stop being able to enjoy the weekends and time with your family. And then you get consumed in turn by feelings of guilt and shame around that, which just compounds everything. And uh, yeah, I have to admit, I was always, you know, I was always looking for that thing that would take my mind completely out of the situation, like anything grasping or anything. And it's, it's good that you had these other positive things to do because it's yeah. Like for me, it was all too often drink. I used to tell myself it was football, and that I'd go to the football at the weekend and I'd be totally consumed in watching the game... And that would take me out of whatever my... But the truth was, <laughs> football was just like a, a metaphor or a, a, or a sort of a code word for excessive drinking. It wasn't really the football that was taking me out of myself. It's like football football was a vehicle for all day drinking with your mates. And that was the thing that took me out of myself, really. In actual fact, now I go to football and they actually... Now, since I started watching football sober eight years ago, I've realised it's really enjoyable. But I never knew that before, but... Um, kickboxing does sound like a, you know, brilliant solution. What about, when did this all start for you, Phil? When when did you first sort of catch this bug that you've got about exercise?
1: Well, I, I, it was really in the, um, it was partly a response to, to, to violence, actually, because I, I was, I grew up in um, a bit of East London called uh, Gants Hill, Ilford, and it was the, with my age, I'm just coming up to, 59, next birthday in February. And it it was a sort of golden age of recreational violence. So it wasn't like like it is now with with gangs and stuff, if you've got younger listeners. So it was very unlikely that you'd be swept up into a, an organised crime situation, and very unlikely you'd be shot or stabbed. But what people would do is partly it's an extension of football violence, which is big then, as they would um, randomly kick the shit out of you for entertainment, uh, and it was like a was like a hobby and people talk about it a lot as you would a hobby. Um, yeah. And it, it was it was a very uncomfortable place to be a teenage boy around. Um, and I, I was the victim of violence a couple of times. So one time I was um, I, I got a, a bad concussion beaten up by a bunch of guys and they uh, hit me over the head with um, bike helmets. They were they were um, 80s mods right um and also smashed a bottle over my head and then i went into hospital and i um and i remember i was i was walked to a and e uh with my mate and i was bleeding from my ear and the um the, when they triaged me the, the bloke went oh my god uh which was, <laughs> which was very undoctory of them yeah
0: if a doctor's <laughs> saying that you really so, should um, yourself
1: yeah very, uh, they obviously missed that bit of the training but the so I spent in the night in hospital there. And another time I was just knocked out cold, unconscious um, in Gansill Station and kicked around for a bit before I was saved by, by someone. Um, and and this was, I have to say, I wasn't particularly unusual as a victim of this. This was completely normal. So at that time, all everyone, all the young men at some point got beaten up. And it was like, oh, you haven't got beaten up yet. Yeah, that's good. You know, that's good. Your turn will come. Yeah, um, yeah. And even like my hard mates, they got beaten up too because there's always someone harder. And we weren't, you know, we were only like 18. Uh, yeah. so, it's, so none of us were really tough It's very traumatic, but confusing as well because it's so normalised that um, no one, no one came to you and talked about trauma at all. So it was like yeah. you're got beaten up, big deal, you know. Just-
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And in my
1: head, um, I'm thinking, uh, what if it happens again? What if I see them again? Yeah. Uh, when I go through that place, that's the place where I was lying unconscious, being being kicked around, um, yeah. and it would it would haunt my mind. And it was it was very very difficult. So then I started going to the gym and what I found was that um, I could, the way my body is built genetically, which has a lot to do with it, my muscles responded pretty quickly. So I was able to put on, I didn't know what I was doing. It was in Mm. the sports center, one of those multi-gym things in a tiny stinking room. It's just like the biggest blokes in the room would tell you what to do. God knows if it was right. I didn't warm up. I was usually hung over, lift these massive weights, often do my back end, just carry on going. Your muscles got bigger. You kind of look, Externally more masculine, so right. I thought, well, this will, this might make me less attractive as a target. Yeah, so yeah the shit kicked out of me. It was yeah. that was essentially the, so was sort of a, a way of dealing with trauma, trying to look strong. So, so around then, everyone was either big, um, did a lot of fighting, got very good at it, or or went to the gym a bit, mm. and and that was really the start of it. But then it became much more than that. So I started. I was interested in the vanity of it. Um, I was interested in the ability to present masculinity because the lovely thing about muscles is they happen regardless of what you're thinking. You lift those weights, your yeah. shoulders get bigger, your arms get bigger. It doesn't matter if you feel masculine inside, they don't know that, they don't care. Yeah, so you can yeah. present this sort of masculine exterior whilst inside you're a mess of uh indecision, um, unfulfilled sexual longings, <laughs> and, and in a, in, in a loathing, but yeah. it doesn't matter because you look like a guy, and it was also that time when um sly and arnie uh what, what year was it rocky came out 76 i think yeah 76 77 yeah. so these are like around these are in the air as like bodies men and bodies and this was a way of being um a man so you think oh yeah. this is great and that, that's where it all all began from that but then fortunately <laughs> um i got better at it after some terrible injuries um researched it more and now it's decades later so i just kept going
0: Really? Oh, what? So when you were still quite young, you were doing bad injuries to yourself from lifting.
1: Yeah, I went to A and E um, with um. So what 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 you used to do is you try and lift weights that look good to the other blokes in the gym. You didn't really know what you were doing. That was your goal. Yeah. Certainly, my goal. Yeah. I think everyone was doing it. So I used to train in this gym in in Dagenham near the Ford Works, and and some pretty big tough blokes would go in in their lunch break, still in. Like uh, in in sort of in manual labour gear, they wouldn't bother to change <laughs> in into boiler suits games. Yeah, and the big the big weight and the and the big weights everyone would do would be um back squats, which are the, you know you stick the bar on your back, um and and squat with it and and bench press. And that's pretty much the basis. That's all we did over and over again. And what you wanted was get the, the most plates on the back squat to look cool for the guys.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and of
1: course. I had, I loaded it up with way over my body weight and I was doing it regularly, but then I slipped putting it back on the machine and my whole spine went,
0: and, oh, um, shit!
1: intense, intense, unbearable pain. Uh, and then and all my back had like torn, all the muscles and ligaments or whatever all come out of wax. So then I walk very, very painfully. It was painful to breathe. I remember my, every time my rib cage expanded to breathe, it was intense pain. And then walked into A E and the guy said, well, there's nothing you'll have to sort of sleep on the floor and wait for it to go away. There's absolutely nothing we can do for you. So that was, that was the kind of thing I was doing. But, you know, you're young. You, you know, two weeks later, I'm back.
0: Fucking you now. I mean, just going back to that, you know, to being a victim of violence like that, it's interesting that you say, you know, it was sort of so normalised. And that's such a, like, a recurring theme for so many people I speak to is that, like, when you're young, the weird shit that happens to you, like, you just you have to pretend that it's okay and it wasn't a big deal and that obviously is a huge deal and that is genuine horrible trauma and i suppose if it was happening to everyone you everyone's sort of laughing it off or turns it into stories or a badge of honor and you just have to fucking live with it forever because it doesn't sort of leave you that stuff does it it's just an interesting theme that they're pretending no, was, to be yeah, okay about bad shit yeah it
1: was it was a it was a very rule-based system, and I think a lot of the guys who were in in the groups that were fighting were also uh, working off a weird, a kind of translated version of the sort of philosophy that sends people to in, into the armies to fight wars. So you, you um, be football-based fights or area-based fights, and you'd hear mm. people say, um, "You know, no one runs," and uh, these yeah, colors yeah. don't remember all that. Kind yeah, of stuff. yeah, yeah. And it, it, there's a sort of. Um, that they picked up probably a sort of bunch of weird chivalric values from somewhere, you know, sort of Cockney, <laughs> Cockney chivalry uh, in East London where you had to do these things. And when when I got um, hospitalised that time, me and my mate, my mate was one of the sort of, he was like my hard mate who was my protector. And we were hugely outnumbered by these blokes walking towards us with their helmets on and everything. And you just went, right, don't run, Phil. And <laughs> I didn't run. That you last, that guy, that, why um, not? That wasn't the... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Can we we talk through the value system in which I don't run now, even though we're hugely outnumbered and about to get the shit kicked out of us? But we, we wasn't in time for that debate. Yeah. So um, and then things weren't very. I didn't even. I don't think I threw um threw a punch or anything. We were just like on the floor being kicked around, um, and it was it was um, yeah, very unpleasant. But again, the, the yeah, it was weird because you kind of think I must be the only one experiencing all this trauma because no one yeah. else seems to mention it. Yeah. Yeah. And. and no one really seems that bothered about it Because it's just some blokes We got beaten up And even the, the terminology is You got beaten up It's yeah. not like you're a victim of violence Or you've had a violent attack No one would talk about it in those terms You got beaten yeah. up People get yeah, beaten up Yeah, it's
0: almost the phrase Just sort of like Kind of trivialises something That is really you know it's extremely intense and serious and that's the other thing it is like a conspiracy silence amongst blokes with lots of different things that being a, the like a really great example is just like everyone because everyone else is pretending it's nothing everyone every each individual feels even worse about what's happening she's not only is this awful thing fucking happened to me i am obviously i have obviously got something wrong with me because I can't stop thinking about it and it's really upset me. And I'm the only person who that's happening to. But the truth is it's happening to everyone, right? I would assume, I would imagine everyone's Yeah, and- a bit about
1: yeah. it. And I'm just remembering now that one of the other phrases was uh, that people would say, did, "Did you give a good account of yourself?"
0: Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: And this would be this would be part of your trauma, and that I, you know, I didn't give a good account of myself. I kind of um, I was largely being kicked around on the floor. Um, and w- what does give a good account of yourself mean? And and it was always without knowing the details of the situation, the odds against you, and why should you give a good account of mm. yourself? There's a whole bunch of uh, masculine demands in there. So not only are you afraid of um, what might happen next time, um, you're also experiencing lots of feelings of self-loathing because you're did I give a good account of myself?
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah.
1: I had an interesting show because I'm still mates with that hard guy who's my protector um, to this day, and he's now a teacher and a lovely man and not at all violent. But I asked him, how his reputation was built and who decided when the fights were won and over. And he said, yeah, yeah that was a bit of an issue, actually, because they were kind of, he had he only had like three major fights that built his rep. He yeah. was a bit of a football hooligan as well. And he was like, in fact, they were quite inconclusive. There's a lot of luck in it, you know, uh, <laughs> and then suddenly someone would stop and it would be agreed that someone had won. It's yeah. not like in the movies, you know, where it's like a bar fight and you smash oh, chairs over each other's punch. heads and then someone's unconscious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no, you know, there's two 16-year-olds going at each other in a pub car park.
0: Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's
1: messy, horrible, undignified, and there aren't any real proper winners usually. It's 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 yeah. all um, all hideous. And 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 it stay with me as well. I don't know how you are on on stuff that happened to you, but I'm, I, you know, I won't stay in a pub if there's an atmosphere. I'll leave. Um, if I bump into someone in a pub, I'm very apologetic because it's a reflex I picked up from for yeah. years ago yeah yeah <laughs> because in those days if you if you bumped into the wrong guy it would all kick off so yeah it, you know not so much now i'm old and i'm in a very different kind of pub where the menu's printed fresh every day no <laughs> one's going to kick off at all but it's out, out, outmoded and irrelevant reflex oh sorry mate sorry mate
0: yeah yeah i used to for years in even into adulthood like if i was on a bus late at night or walking down a like quiet street. I would be, uh, you know, because I, yeah, the times that I was mugged or attacked when I was young, it was always when I was coming home on my own from somewhere. I'd often be like coming home from a long distance on my own, and things would happen on the way home. And I still like even into my twenties would find myself like just fucking anxious and looking over my shoulder. And I don't, you know, it's only like now. Now I just so it sort of dawns on you. You sort of think you just have to tell yourself it's not gonna, you know, oh this won't happen. Or I'm no longer prey for some sort of like teenage gang, I suppose, <laughs> with any luck. But yeah, yeah, it does. It does live yeah. with you. The, an- the anxiety of times like that live with you. The, the the really liberating thing about getting older, though, is like you're talking about all those masculine codes, and you're right; they're so suffocating, and they're fucking they torture you and fill you with like all sorts of shame. And uh, when you're saying that, did you give a good account of yourself? I can imagine being asked that question. I can imagine lying in response to it when I was a teenager. But I really relish the idea of someone saying it to me now and moving it going immediately. No, I didn't actually. I gave an awful account of myself <laughs> because it's just like so. Yeah. It's also liberated, isn't it, to sort of be able to say those things? But um, yeah. So yeah, yeah.
1: I, I I absolutely hate all that. And, and I, I look back because we we both worked in the in the lab mags. Um, um, me uh, much much more so. I think in a way, one of the things that I look back on um, and genuinely feel it wasn't su- such a great thing to be involved with was this sort of hero worship of violent men mm. that we had. We we're always fascinated by yeah. um, the Essex uh, murders, Yeah, Landover yeah. murders, or prisons, prisons, prison tattoo codes. Yeah, um, can you make a shiv out of a bar of soap? Um, yeah. All this stuff was was very much the the content that we loved, whilst having no intention of living that kind of life ourselves. And if yeah. anything, doing my utmost yeah. to escape it. And but it's the, the same. So many I, of the magazines. And-
0: I I feel like that with um like as I get older, I can't watch. Um, when I was younger, obviously, like a lot of blokes, I loved the films of Scorsese and um, and then later Tarantino. And I can't, I don't really watch, I can't really watch them now because I think that they're like hero work, they're they're fetishizing um, you know, sort of mythical, well-dressed psychopaths committing extreme acts of violence. And I and I just sort of think, oh God, I, I feel like a bit childish watching it now. Do you know what I mean? I don't it's not that yeah, I, I c- find it as yeah, disturbing, yeah. but I feel sort of childish watching some of those films where you think this is like someone who's just like fetishized sort of turned like some mythical idea of a beautifully well turned out quite eloquent psychopath Mm committing acts of violence and turned it into a form of pornography and i feel embarrassed and ashamed that i would have ever derived sort of excitement from that i've but i suppose it's like Yes, yes. That stuff you do in magazines, it's a bit like when you're a kid and you watch cowboy films because you think it's quite exciting precisely because they're people operating outside of any of the sort of boundaries of decency that I live within. So that's sort of – it's just—it's an escapism, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can watch those films if the setting is remote enough, but it is childish, and I acknowledge it's childish. Um, me, me and my son um, – who's now in his twenties, we have a like John Wick thing where we watch John Wick together. But yeah. it's very much in an ironic eye roll yeah. kind of a way. I, I can't deal with anything that's set um at close proximity in a more realistic way. I don't like anything to do with um you know postcode gangs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's too real. Yeah. And, and it takes me back. Um but yeah I, I agree it's it it's impossible to get around the fact that people with more exciting and vivid lives are interesting. But the portrayal intrinsically through costumes, through lighting, tends yeah. to lend a glamour to it that yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have when you're getting the shit kicked out of you on a nah. cold night in Ilford. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The, the, yeah. No one looked good. Everyone was wearing these awful clothes yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. completely yeah. different.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I always laugh about the football films, the football hooligan films, and the way that there's a sort of an obsession in the detail of clothing that, the truth is, you you never actually saw a football in the eighties. I mean, you saw the brands that they wore, but the art direction is, it, you know, it, it does owe a lot to sort of the way that Martin Scorsese portrayed small-time gangsters as all wearing like immaculate suits. You know, it's the same thing, but transferred to a sort of lower rent version in the UK. But it's all kind of invented as well. It's just it's, it's not a reflection of reality, which is much more sort of dreary and depressing and scruffy looking.
1: Yeah, and, and it was very related to boredom. I think the violence at that time. So I remember after I got beaten up, um, that you'd speak to people who are much more into it as a as a way of life. M- my peers, and they go, "Oh, what happened? Uh, you know, no, no, exactly what happened? Because it's like you got into their specialist area. It's like you'd seen a really interesting <laughs> yeah. bird, and you're talking about yeah, to a yeah. twitcher. Go, oh, yeah, oh right, well, he hit you there? Yeah, right. Yeah, great. Talk, 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 no, 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 no more detail, more detail. Talk me through. Uh, so it was, it was really seated deeply in there being not much to do and very few ways for people to find status. So you'd, you'd um, gather into a gang, outnumber someone and kick the shit out of them and then run away laughing.
0: When you, like, discovered exercise and you started to bulk up and stuff, so did, did you come away feeling genuinely just more secure and safe in yourself?
1: No, because there's no real... There's no real security in um, in muscles, and I don't even buy. This upset people. I don't buy street self defense either. The, the internet is full. I don't know if you get these. It's full of um, instructors showing you how to defend yourself against a knife or a stick, and they're always attacked in a in a way that's like they've clearly told the person to attack them in a very specific way, which they do yeah, very yeah. slowly, and, <laughs> yeah. then they, and then they do a nice arm yeah. hold on them. And there's no like six blokes who chuck some bricks at you from the other side of the street and then run yeah. over and kick the shit out of you like real violence is. Yeah. So I think yeah. there's no real security in becoming hard. And, yeah. I, and when I look at blokes who really um, wear a sort of a, a costume of, of muscles and they've got a big dog on a chain, I always think, you're nervous. You've really put up a lot of, you're yeah. really giving a lot of, don't mess with these me signals there. You must be terrified inside to have gone to yeah. all that trouble. Yeah. So what yeah. I was hoping for was I could sit in the pub with some biceps, and I'd look like I might be more challenging so people wouldn't want to do anything to me. That was my dream. Yeah. Um, And you do feel, you get a self-esteem sense of like, oh, I can lift this. I'm a pretty small guy. I'm, you know, five six five seven. I don't know. So you you, you do feel a bit more empowered. But um, it was all about uh, a a kind of preemptive appearance of being tougher than I really was.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, obviously, this is, you know, you stuck with this through your life. You you edited fitness magazines like Men's Health and, and Men's Fitness. I mean, these were, not Men's Fitness, um, FHM Bionic. Men's Health, yeah. Man, men, and, of course, Men's Health, which is where we first met. Um, and uh, so this has stayed with you. And and now, what, what inspired you to start doing um, We Can Still Be Heroes?
1: Well, it's, it's not about ageing, so I've been writing... For the times uh, and some other papers about midlife fitness and it seems there's a real hunger Um, so there's a generation of people coming up who aren't intending to grow old in the way that their parents did Mm. and they're very interested in how far can i go with Mm. fitness and how long can i keep going for and what can my 60s and 70s look like so i'm uh, 60s bearing down on me fairly quickly and really i'm doing the same stuff i always was but I'm finding like, wow, this is amazing. I had no idea I could feel like this at 58, 59. You know, I, yeah. I feel incredible. So I wanted to yeah. share that with people. So I'm posting a little bit of my daily workout on, on an Instagram account, really with the intention of going, you yeah, know, he's, he's 58 and he did it, so maybe I should too on yeah. the most basic level. And also to talk about some of the hedonism of it. So it's very, a lot of fitness stuff is, is always about the end goal. Whereas I enjoyed doing it for itself. I had a lovely run this morning in in snow, as we record this, mm. in the beautiful woods. And I did a bunch of pull-ups while I was out there. And it was it was like some would get from playing football or going skiing or something. It was yeah. an absolute pleasure in itself. I didn't yeah. have any particular end goal in mind. Whereas fitness, is always this kind of slightly dry. If you do this, your cardiovascular improved by X%. percent. Um, or your, your biceps will get bigger by this. Just go out and have a laugh and enjoy it. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's, no, I it's, really it's enjoy your videos.
0: And there was something you put up recently that was like that, where you were like, I don't know what you do. I think you were doing like burpees or something, and you just written underneath, yeah, I don't really know what this is. I just do this sometimes for fun. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. it really does look like he's yeah. having fun. And no one really talks about fitness in that way, you know. Which it should, because sometimes you can people give up on fitness, you know, because they think they always have to be target driven, and then they can't hit their targets or something like that, and then you become despondent and think, oh, "I'm no good at this," or it's just all it ends up doing is bringing you a sense of yeah, a sense of disappointment in yourself. Whereas it should be doing the opposite, because you set a goal, and then you don't hit that goal for whatever reason. And or you don't make the progress that you thought that you might or that something online told you that you definitely would. And then rather than it making you feel good about yourself, which it should, it just makes you feel shit about yourself. And that puts some people off. And that's what I love about the content that you're putting out is that none of it's sort of goal driven at all. You just write about having a laugh doing it. And you always look like you are as well.
1: I, I, lo- I love it. I genuinely love it. And, and I think um, there's a lot about fitness culture, I think, excludes people because it's it's dominated. I, I don't know if you follow all of these, you know, influencers on TikTok and Instagram. And, and, and in a way, I get, get an energy from them. And they're amazing people um, with six packs, but they're usually um, half my age, many of them half your age as well. Mm. Uh, and you don't really know what they did either side of that shoot. So they may have starved themselves for a bit to get that six pack. So you have to have very low body fat for that. And they present this kind of, just do it, get out there. Um, I'm half man, half machine. And I I can't relate to any of this. You you guys are weirdos. Humorless, specifically humorless weirdos. You wouldn't want to go to the pub with any of these guys. They just seem awful. Uh, And I think it's so excluding to people who think, well, I'm not really one of those people. So therefore, I can't start. I can't get involved. Because I have to become a weird kind of muscular monk who doesn't. Yeah, do anything I mean, you see pleasure, it in never Even, eat
0: a, even the eat people who aren't, you know, it happens in fitness. It just happens everywhere. It's like, you know, I saw someone do a post this morning, and it's all about this phrase like high performance or optimizing your your protocols and all the rest of it. And it's like you see people. I read a post by someone this morning talking about how he got upper. Four twenty-six 26 to like you know write a list of all <laughs> of his goals for the years ahead for the year ahead and all of this right and he was like you know and this is what i'm gonna do with work and this is what i'm gonna do with this and he went but then the most important list of all is family because everything else and he's just written about 20 fucking really boring things that he's gonna do that are sort of all <laughs> like very american psycho vibes right And then, this guy's an influencer, by the way, and then he goes at the end, um, yeah, but obviously the family list is the most important because you're only ever as happy as the least happy member of your family, so everything else goes. And you just think, that's a, someone wrote underneath, fucking hell, I can imagine the look on your kids' faces when their (laughs) mum tells them, kids, dad's made another list, (laughs) right? And it's like, you know, you can do these things, without the, the purpose being to become Superman or become like the most successful, brilliant person in the world. You can just do them because they're uh, enjoyable in themselves, right? Yes, yeah, so I'm not sort of saying I'm
1: I'm not a weirdo. By exercise every day, you can do it too without having to become a weirdo. I, I remember the, the sex stuff we used to do at uh, Men's Health. Men's Health was like half an exercise magazine, really, and half a sex tips magazine. And and one we'd often say how many calories you burn... Um, whilst making love and you think yeah. yeah but that's the absolute worst reason to have sex is that you've managed to burn <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. what kind of a, what kind of an arid lunatic are you becoming right because everything becomes purpose-driven in the end it's it's absolutely awful as a worldview
0: i uh actually you know men's health was my first proper job when I left university and I was you know pretty unhealthy hedonistic kind of skinny layabout student when I arrived and I, I wasn't I didn't look much different by the time I left but I could see how those sort of life so was the first I'd never had any fucking experience of any I'd not I didn't know anyone who was interested in exercise or I'd literally never met anyone who was like I played football my whole youth you know but I didn't just wasn't a thing and then just like I was only at Men's Health for about a year and a half or two years, but it's the first time I'd even been exposed to that kind of stuff. And 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 probably you look back now, that was like the mid-late 90s. It was pretty tame in comparison to the stuff you see now online in terms of the advice that was being put in there. But I, um, I mean, I didn't become a gym head. I certainly didn't bulk up, but I did start going to the gym and started to become particularly obsessive about what I ate as well. Because just as like a junior on the staff, I suddenly, for the first time in my life, was exposed to the idea that different foods did different things to you. And I'd always (laughs) been like really unhealthy. When I was a kid, I was really fat. And then when I was a teenager, I was really skinny. So either way, I was like... Not quite. I was one extreme or the other. I became fucking hooked on that shit. Like and it and it lasted with me for a few years after I left as well. In the end, I had to work quite hard to get out of my system because I'm quite an addictive person. So I can't just think this is good advice. I'll pay, I'll pay that some mind in the way I live my life. I became like I was like fucking looking at ingredients on the side and calories and fat content in particular on the side of everything I ever picked up. Um but you know, I mean, you look back now. It is very now, addictive. It is very addictive. Yeah, I got, I got a, I got a bunch of um, men's health magazines off online. I think I told you off of someone on eBay, uh, a, a men's health magazine collector. Weird vibes I got off him actually, but because <laughs> he had like every copy ever, stretching right back to like the launch issue, right up until today. So I was like, this is weird. But I wanted to have, um. The, the, some of the ones that I'd written my first articles in, right? Cause I thought it's interesting to me to look at the first things that I, I ever had published and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I looked through them and yeah, it's like in comparison to the sort of stuff you get on Instagram nowadays, it was, it's fairly tame and, you know, not that kind of intense. I mean, obviously, burning calories while you have sex is sort of pretty strange, but there are implants out there now who'll be recommending much madder things.
1: It's become a bit of a trope, though. Nineties Men's Health, because it was—it's famous for kind of shouting at you, uh, get a six-pack in six weeks. Uh, they've really yeah. changed their—they've softened their whole editorial voice right. at that point because it was—it—it it wasn't there wasn't much fitness going on. It's quite hard to find a gym yeah. in London at that time, as I remember. But we'd we'd shout at the British public about getting a six-pack, and you didn't really know what six-pack was until we started shouting. We created the need. Yeah, um, no one had heard of around it. Around without six packs. It was was quite unaware of the thing they didn't have until we told them that they didn't have a six pack and they really ought to get one in six weeks. It
0: was quite mad though because, like, in in the mid 90s when it launched, like the sort of culture was, you know, kind of like uh, what you call it called Britannia, Britpop, heroin, chic. Do you know what I mean? That sort of scene. And and the magazine stand was just all ad mags. And it was so, like, I mean, it was a big success when you were editing it. But it seems so weird that it was a, a big success because it was like a, opposed to everything else that seemed to be dominating magazines and culture.
1: Yeah, but the, the, I think they went together. So the, the pressures on men at that time were to drink loads, take loads of drugs, and look brilliant when you take your shirt off. Right, and It was yeah. There are lots of contradictions. It's very hard, rather like they have been on women. It was, it, mm. Magazines play with hopes and dreams. We yeah. don't always run the list um by sort of sanity check to make sure these hopes and dreams can fit together in any way yeah Uh, so it was i mean we were all it was quite a drinky culture um so we were all working out and drinking and trying to do everything all at once um but the 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 sense that there's a a version of you that's much much better that's never gone away i think particularly for men and now i think women have got a lot with the sort of yoga goddess cultures comes through as well and you I fight with it, but I'm, I'm really seduced by it to this day. I'm I'm still into trying to work out where's the best position to put my laptop so I can be most creative during the day, and all that. And oh, list making yeah. is really appeals to me to create order. Yeah. And oh, I'll send you that. I'll send you I that post.
0: I'll send you the post I saw. You might find it <laughs> inspirational. List inspiration. <laughs> what, yeah. what time? What What time do you I, get up, Phil?
1: Uh, late at the moment. Yeah, I don't okay, have a structured good, job, good. so I'm I'm, I'm embarrassed. Well, I'll give you an honest answer, actually. I get up at 7.30 at the moment. Oh, that's all right. It's not too uh, late. Is, I consider That's, that's a decent, late. that's a healthy time to get up, isn't it? Um, but I don't okay. have a structured job life. So that's another thing that exercise can do is that it's, I remember during lockdown when I was completely without job or much to do, that exercise was my routine. And it was mm. really, that was a great, mental health tip was it I had a thing to do every day at various points and it was exercising other than that a a total drifty
0: nothingness well you know you're I guess you're you're freelance now effectively but you you know most of your career has been like you say you know you've been in for many years very senior sort of corporate positions in a way and is that something that is difficult learning to live without that sort of you know the regimen that that imposed upon you
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's done something very odd to time. So you, you're you've lived this life for years, but you pitch stuff uh, in order to earn money, and then you produce the work. and I love doing that, but what it does to to your day is that every moment you're not pitching, you're mm. wasting time. Yeah. So you, what what am I doing sitting here? I could be, I could be pitching a feature which could bring some money, and you feel that sense of guilt. So that's yeah. something I'm working through at the moment. Yeah. You've got loads more experience than me in that, and I, you're definitely someone I turn to for advice on how to manage that. But you, you know, and every news item you see, and every social media post you take in, is a potential feature you could sell to someone. So yeah. it becomes um, the danger is it becomes obsessive, and and your life is either feeling guilty about pitching or manically pitching, and that's not going to that's not going to work for me in the long term.
0: Yeah, it, no, that is a, that's a hard thing that is. Yeah, it's taken, and I still get it, but I'm better than I than I was. It's really good to be creating your own content, though, I think, as well. Like, that's something that helps me a lot because even if it's not like, you know, generating income or whatever, it means that you've got something that you can produce and be creative with that isn't based entirely on that sort of transaction. Take your mind elsewhere. It's almost an island of control, Phil. That's the phrase that I use. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's that's a a little archipelago of control we're building here yeah but, yeah it's so that, that's the that's the yeah. weird but actually being it's almost like a model of the perfect work isn't it so you you make a thing it's all yours and you sell it it's so mm. satisfying after years of managing other people who are making things yeah or sometimes yeah. more more frequently yeah. managing the people who are managing the other people who are making the things
0: You're yeah yeah Twice it's yeah.
1: divorced from the big in the first place to enjoy doing
0: yeah i really uh it's been one of the biggest sort of changes in in my life is that i do things like this and and other stuff like my other podcasts and and that's why i think it's it's great that you're doing you know we could still be heroes linked into the other sort of right the writing that you do in the times and stuff because it's just like yeah you're right it's a, it's a sort of a more pure expression of what you got into all this stuff in the first place for um but i think yeah, it's a sense of some you know like sorry sorry sam you go no no go
1: I think it's like, without um, being too Marxist-Leninist about it, you're alienated labor. You want to look at senior management for alienated labor. It's just such an awful way to earn a living. Yeah, uh, and exactly. You're yeah. always outside the party. You're always managing other people's emotions and often creating very unhappy emotions in other people. I found it endlessly un- uh, unsatisfying as the way uh, when it was uncomfortable, it was endlessly unsatisfying as a way to earn a living. Um, and, and, that's, and I was always the one mainly giving out the pain. I, God knows what the people working under me felt. I was, yeah, Because you, know, you have to say that that could have been better. We don't need you anymore. All these awkward things. So your your day can become filled with uncomfortable interactions, especially if you're a bit into being liked as I am. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. As opposed to being the guy who, Chops down a bit of wood, makes the chair, sells the chair, which is always, as if I've got my marks sorted out correctly, that's how a sort of idealized version. Yeah,
0: that's where you get your fulfillment from. And, um, yeah. I just I, I hope that this this project grows into something a lot bigger because I'm certainly enjoy I mean, obviously I might sound biased because we're pals, but I genuinely, you know, as a bloke who's got fifty on the horizon, who does enjoy exercise but is always looking for kind of new ideas and inspirations, it genuinely speaks to me. I really I've really enjoyed it since you've started doing it. And I hope it grows into something bigger. Uh, for all of us but also for you because I think you know it's it, it like you say it's a great thing you're making the journey you're making it out of like your lifelong passion um I think you're a really good advertisement for for um you know fitness and and exercise and the part it can play in your life because you're right there's too many people saying things that are just scary and off putting to a lot of us you know and uh I think you just oh mean- thanks so much thanks for the encouragement it really means a lot no, I really I really love it and, and that was why I really wanted to speak to you about on the pod and I encourage everyone to check it out. It's we can still be heroes on Instagram, right? That's Yeah, it's, it's that's, we can still dot it's it's we can dot still dot
1: Be heroes. Be heroes. So you can't do brackets on Instagram.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well I'll share it in the blab under this podcast and if you subscribe to the Times you'll be able to check out all of Phil's um really fantastic pieces on on midlife fitness as well, which are always really enjoyable. Phil, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really enjoyed
1: it. Lovely to speak to you both, and, and thanks for all the uh, support. Oh really, no, my really, pleasure. Really appreciate
0: that as well. Cheers, mate. There you go, Phil Hilton, a smart and inspirational fella, and a mentor and a role model for me for many years. I tell you what, I'll be delighted if I'm half as fit as him by the time I'm in my late fifties. Check out his Instagram at We Can Still Be Heroes. I'm really grateful to him for being so honest about the complicated stuff in his youth that drove him towards his life of fitness remember you can subscribe to The Reset for more exclusive pods and newsletters from me just go to samdelaney.substack.com to find out more that's it for this time gang thanks for listening be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down